Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is August the 17th, 2015, and this is episode 1626 of the Survival Podcast. And it's Monday, that means I have your questions and comments by email. To be on a show like this, you simply send me an email to jack at the survival podcast. Dot com And uh, when you do that, put uh, TSPC in the subject line. Again, like it's one word, the initials TSPC, standing for The Survival Podcast. And you can put question or comment or thought or whatever you want to after that. As long as you put the TSPC in it, there's a good chance it won't end up eaten by a filter. At least even if it does, I'll be able to dig it out and find it. Format. Give me your question or make your point in one to two sentences maximum. And no, you can't use uh, two really long run-on sentences that are actually 80 sentences uh, to try to get those two sentences in. Periods alone are not what makes a sentence. Uh, not to be giving you grammatical uh, instruction. I'm probably the last person to do that. But I have people do that. Occasionally. It's only one sentence and it's like two paragraphs. Uh, <laughs> really, I'm just the way I, I, I screen emails. And some weeks I, I'm really stressed out with time. And this is one of them. And I'll tell you more about that in a bit. The, the easier it is for me to look down at an email and just get the gist of it, the quicker I can sort it and the more likely it is to get on the air. Before I get to your questions this week, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you by helping to make sure the show is here for you Monday through Friday, five days a week. Sponsor of the day number one today, Fortress Defense Consult and the awesome Frank Sharp Jr. and his cadre of instructors at FortressDefense.com will help you to complete that final linchpin in the gun operator triangle of efficiency. You know, people often ask me, what is the next gun I should buy? And what I say is maybe you should invest in some training. If you already have a good shotgun, a rifle, a handgun, and maybe a few other things for hunting and sporting purposes, instead of just buying another gun because it's cool or it was on the cover of a magazine, maybe you should invest in that final linchpin, the final moving part in that triangle of efficiency. You know, first you have the gun. You buy a gun off the shelf. It is what it is. It does what it does. You can rely on it to be what it is. Ammo is the same way. Good quality ammunition. You can never have too much of it, but you can buy it off the shelf. Those two things are commodities. There's one thing that really requires ongoing investment. That's you, the operator. You're the final moving part. A gun and ammo in the hands of somebody that doesn't know what to do can be more dangerous to the people that are trying to defend themselves than it can be a help to the situation. And it's also the case that even if you know how to handle a weapon professionally, you know what you're doing mechanically, there's a mental component when lives are on the line that cannot be condensed down into words. It has to be trained. It has to be drilled into you. You have to realize that if you get into one of these situations, what you'll end up doing is falling back to your lowest, not highest level of proficiency. That's where training kicks in and takes over. The kind of training you'll get from Frank and his cadre at FortressDefense.com. Check them out today. Learn how you can become an efficient operator of that weapon that you're carrying for the defense of yourself and others. 
Sponsor of the day number two today, Ready-Made Resources, the company that does what it says and says what it does right on their website. All the resources you need ready-made, ready to go at readymaderesources.com. And when I say all the resources, I mean it from the tactical to the practical, from guns to gardens, and everything in between. You'll find it at Ready-Made Resources. 12-volt appliances to go with your solar and wind projects? Check, they've got that. You want to do solar and wind? Hey, they've got everything you need for that. You want long-term storage food? You want it by the can or by the case? They've got it. You want to make your own long-term storage food? You need uh, Mylar bags and O2 absorbers? They've got that. You want gamma lids for your five-gallon buckets? Got it. Check. No problem. You want to start canning? Whether it's water bath or pressure canning, they've got what you need. Dehydrators? Got that, too. Want to get over and look at some tactical accessories or firearms if you're in their state or have an FFL to ship to? They've got it all, man. Like I said, the practical to the tactical, the guns to gardens, and everything in between. You'll find it all at the company that does what they say and says what they do. ReadyMadeResources.com, a long-term sponsor of the Survival Podcast. Happy to serve you with great pricing and great service. Again, ReadyMadeResources.com. Next up, let's take a look at the year that was the episode. The year is 1626. I have in uh, TSP Wiki today from Alex Shrugged, Sir Francis Bacon is killed by a chicken. Yeah, really? We're going to read that one. I also have the Dutch by the deed to Manhattan. Why are you laughing? And I have the new St. Peter's Basilica is uh, is built. Uh, I'm going to just tell you real quick on that one because it's such a well-known piece of architecture. Uh, St. Peter's Basilica was rebuilt this year. It's the same one you can visit today, but it's not the original from the 4th century. That building was collapsing. They kept the altar and a few other critical features like St. Peter, Peter himself, for example. My take on that one is simply that, okay, we went from the 4th century, the 4th century, to the, the 17th century, the 1600s. Um, and the building made it that long. How many of our buildings today would make it that long? And by the way, the one they built in the uh, in the, in the 1600s is still there, and you can go visit it. Yeah. I don't know if we're building stuff that would last that long, let alone stuff that would last from the year say 400 to the year 1600. That's pretty impressive. But I want to read to you: Sir Francis Bacon is killed by a chicken. How the hell could I not read that? Especially since it has to do with food preparation, actually more along the lines of food storage. That didn't work out so well. Here's the story. Actually, it was raw chicken stuffed with snow. Let me explain. Sir Francis Bacon, the greatest intellect of his time, had been forced to retire to his estate after being impeached by Parliament for taking bribes. In modern, Was he guilty? In modern terms, you better believe it. But in the standards of the day, not so much. He later repented of his deeds and his retirement he took up experiment. For his retirement, he took up experimentation. In this experiment, he wanted to find out if raw chicken deteriorated more slowly if it was cold. For those waiting on the edge of your seat, the answer is yes. He bought a raw chicken from the market, walked out into the cold, and stuffed its innards with snow. Unfortunately, the exposure to the wet and cold brought on some difficulty in breathing, and he died in bed at home of Lord Andre, uh, the home of Lord Andrel when he was 65 years old. My take by Alex Shrug. I watched a Nova special on cold in the search for absolute zero. The show begins with a scientist explaining that people of the 17th century, that is the time of Sir Francis Bacon, thought of cold as its own force. It was not simply the absence of heat. If you think about it, you can understand why. Try opening a window on a frozen day. You'll see the cold spill over the windowsill and creep along the floor. 
In fact, what you are seeing is the moisture of warmer air condensing as the colder air moves in from outside and mixes. Since cold air is denser than warm air, it tends to sink toward the floor and then mixes as it heats up. People like Sir Francis Bacon didn't realize this yet, and they didn't understand refrigeration. They won't have ice boxes until the mid-1900s. In the 17th century, the world was at the mercy of the cold, and the Little Ice Age was about to get a whole lot colder. It seems kind of strange to us, I'm sure, today, that people of this time, when we, we, we might think that we know a lot more than they do, but do understand these are people who crossed the Atlantic Ocean by this time routinely with wooden ships and sails from Europe to North America. And now we're beginning in earnest the exploration of the Pacific and Indian Oceans from the western coast of the United States. They had already gotten to a point where people had landed over there and were going back and forth. Now think about that. Think about that. Really take that in. That these people were smart enough to be able to do that and didn't understand that if you took a piece of meat and shoved it in the snow during the full winter when the snow was available, it would last longer. That no one had even done it by accident? Wouldn't you think that somebody would have found a piece of meat that got buried in the ice somewhere and went, hey, maybe we can harness this. Here's the big lesson for me from this. We don't know what we don't know. That's something that people throw around once in a while, but I want you to really think about it in a historical context and what that means for us today. You don't know what you don't know. There could be something so simple that would dramatically change life for the better, that we have every bit of technology to be able to use today that's right in front of us. And it's not being suppressed by evil corporations or a government. It's simply that no one has seen it yet. Sure, no one was going to be able to build a, uh, a general electric refrigerator in the 1600s. But my, my God, they could have been preserving meat during the winter for a very, very long time at this point with no special equipment or tools whatsoever. Everything they needed was right in front of them, and they didn't know that they didn't know. What do we not know that we don't know? And the answer is, we don't know. But that makes it worth trying to figure out, doesn't it? That means there's a lot of great work to be done yet. That means even when we think we're smart, we're not even close to where we could be. More on that later in today's show. Uh, next up, before we do get into today's show, let's go ahead and take care of our... No, we already did take care of our sponsors. I'm a little off today. I'll explain that in a minute. But anyway, if you really like this show and you want to support the work we do, consider joining the Members Support Brigade. You can do that by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking on Members and learn more there. Uh, next up, I want to remind you guys that uh, the October event at TSP Ranch, also known as Nine Mile Farm, is now open for registration for members of the Member Support Brigade. If you are a member, you can just go log into the MSB now, and there's a link there where you can go ahead and register, and I will open it up to anybody and everybody on Wednesday if any tickets remain. Right now, I think we sold out about half of the, the spaces uh, so far. Uh, and we we did that uh, in like the first couple hours. And then it's always like that, and then it slows down. Usually, by the time we open it to everybody, there's some seats available. There's certainly plenty available for the rest of the day. Love to see you there. A few questions have come in about you know a November event. Is there a no Yes, there's a November event, too. We're doing two this year. Uh, the one we're doing uh, in October is going to be really focused on uh, microgreens. We're also going to be doing a greenhouse uh, construction from scratch and uh, uh, container gardening, and specifically wicking beds, very big container guards. We're going to be 
using you know 300 gallon stock tanks to build these things. Uh, a very cool integrated system. A lot of other really cool stuff. Full details available at the site. Cost is 500 bucks, guys. We feed you so well. You'll just from the food. You'll feel like your money was well spent. We take good care of people. Uh, these events are some of the best in the world. Get to one while you can. Um, seriously, we don't do you know we don't do ten of them a year. You know we do two to three a year, and uh, we're doing two this fall. We didn't do one in the spring. We haven't done one since last fall. Um, I love to see as many of you guys there as possible. I do have to limit the attendance at them. It's just something I have to do. I cannot take. 50 people to one of these events. Uh, you know, taking 34, which is what we're doing this time, we'll have a head count of over 50. And it's the limit of where I can make sure that every single person that's here feels like they, they got the experience they were looking for. So just want to let you guys know that. Okay, with that, um, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. And I, I want to kind of throw back to the end of uh, last week's show. Um, I had talked about the importance of, of, of doing things. Uh, getting things done and getting things done while you have the time. And uh, I have some things uh, that I'm dealing with today and some things that have come to me today uh, that I'm going to tell you about. And some of this I'm going to bear some pretty personal stuff with um, because I think it's important that you really get it. I, I really do. Um, and I'm not going to use any hypotheticals in this. I'm going to tell you some, some things that have really gone on in just the past week. Um, I got an email on Saturday. Uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, from Brian in Tennessee, who had listened to the Survival Podcast, uh, and specifically my kind of get stuff done uh, piece at the end. And he sent me this email. He said, at lunch today, I got word a friend of mine was in critical care and suffering from a brain aneurysm. A few minutes ago, I found out he passed away. I just talked to him last week. He was going in for shoulder surgery and looking forward to hitting the gym again after he recovered. His boys had just graduated college. He had a successful business. At least in my view, he was happy and enjoying life. I just finished listening to Friday's show this morning. Uh, man, if you want something, just effing do it. A business, fishing, hunting, a skill, a project, knock it effing out so you can enjoy it. As sad as I am, the greater tragedy would be as if he lived miserably. Brian in Tennessee. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you might just hear my voice, you can tell I'm a little bit off today. I'm not... I'm not depressed or anything, but I'm certainly off. My mind is 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 disconnected, and, and here's what's going on. Some of you know this, some of you you don't. It's this is not something as much as I do talk about my personal life. I've talked much about it on the air, um, but my my father-in-law, my wife's father, is is suffering from dementia, advanced dementia at this point, and we have done everything within our power to keep him in his own home, including having home health care services, and we went through three before we found a good one. Um, as long as possible. And we've reached a point where there is no alternative. We have to put him into an assisted living facility. And we have to do that this week. And there'll be no show Thursday because that's what I'll be doing Thursday. And all week we're getting ready to do that. So it is possible, though not probable, there might be other shows missed this week. Um, this is one of those things that no one wants to do, that no one wants to face, and that we've been... You know, knowing was coming for at least a year now. In fact, we started our search to figure out what to do for him over a year ago. My wife has done an amazing job. And for the last two years, she's been more doing a job in taking care of him than actually being his daughter. 
Uh, and you might say that it's the daughter's job to you know help the father, and I agree, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it's taken a toll on my wife. It, it's taken a toll on me. Um, it's been you know I've done everything I can to support her in this, but I have to keep my business running. And fortunately, because I do have a business and she doesn't work, she's been able to do all the things that the uh, the rest of the family couldn't do. And uh, you know she's now feels very distraught over the fact that there's a certain finality to this. It's an acceptance that this gets no better, and 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 you know Alzheimer's does not get better. It's not curable. It's not fixable. Please do me a favor, some of you guys that are really into the herbals and stuff, don't send me solutions to this problem. Okay, at this point, there is no solution to this problem, and you're not helping. So please don't. Just please don't. I don't want it. Okay? I don't. Um, we've accepted where we're at in this, and there's there's nothing that can be done to make this go away. But there are some things that can be done to be making this at least better for him in his final year, two, three years. Who knows how long he has left. Um, he has good days and bad days. But he's at a point now where he does, he's he's lost his mental capabilities and he's not taking care of himself and without full time care he's in danger. He's going to be angry when we do this, but we worked really hard and we found him the absolute most amazing place. If this has to be where you end up, that I've ever seen, kids running around the place, dogs and cats running around the place, and and it's expensive. Um, but working with what he has left, we've, we can keep him there at least 18 months. And, and to be bluntly honest, he probably won't make it that long. And even if he does, he won't know where he is in 18 months. That's just how this disease progresses and how far how far he's into it. And the, the fact that he's not had to be um, in any type of, of, of care facility for this long is a testament to how hard my wife has worked and how many things we have done and, 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 and put out there. So there's this this finality here, and what's this got to do with preparedness? This has everything to do with preparedness. I can't afford to keep him in this facility in perpetuity. He couldn't afford to be there if he wasn't at the end of his life, but because he was at least financially somewhat prepared, there's enough assets there that you know he'll probably die penniless. But I'd rather him die penniless and be well cared for than have a penny of his of anything of his for myself or for the rest of the family. It's there for him, and that means that he's going to get a level of care that you just, you, you'd have to see it. What's brought my wife relief in all of this finally, and we only found this place about a month ago, and we've been looking a year. Um, again, dogs, cats, and kids running around in this place. You walk in the door, it's cheerful. They have people coming and play music several times a week. You know, live music, guitar, and, and piano, stuff that's, you know, soothing and soft. And yet, you know, they were uh, they were singing. I think my wife said the first day she went in there, they had a whole bunch of, of these oh, these old folks around. They were singing, you are my sunshine. And all these people have different forms of dementia. This place is for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. And uh, the care is through the roof. Uh, I've been to facilities like this with other relatives when they were, you know, had to be in a place. And you see very few visitors. And the visitors there are sad. And you don't see kids because kids, you, nobody wants to bring their kids there because they're depressing. Your kids run around this place. The employees are encouraged to have their children come in with them while they're working. Um, it, 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 it's, it's a blessing because what my wife said, and this is, this is just kind of punches you in the face with what I'm trying to tell you today, was every other place we looked at, no matter how nice it was, no matter how nice the people were, every other place, I felt like I was putting them there to die. 
And here I feel like I'm putting him, I'm putting him in there to live. It might be to live the last of his life, but he's going to have a life. Well, without preparedness, in the form of just financial preparedness, he saved his pennies. He invested his money. He lived within his means. He has no debt. He did all the things I talk about doing, and nobody with a microphone had to tell him that. He was just from a generation who still did it. This is a man who grew up in the middle of World War II. This is a man who lied to join the Dutch Marine Corps right near the end of World War II, whose family was part of the Dutch underground and, and helped people escape Europe uh, in, into England and into other places to hide. Um, this is a man that lives an incredible life. And you know he deserves as much, because he can't fix this. He deserves as much happiness as he can get. And as many people love him out there as there are, the only reason he can have this at the end of his own life is because he was smart enough to do the things we talk about doing every day. So that should tell you all you need to know about preparedness. But what I really want to bring to you guys today is a different message with something like this. Get shit done. Okay? There is no more time. Well, there's plenty of time. But in my view, there's no more time to sit around making excuses about why things have to wait till later. Some things have to wait till later, but not freaking everything has to wait till later. Listen, the guy that wrote us, Brian, his friend, who was in the middle of doing things the right way, had his life taken from him like that by something no one could see coming. A brain aneurysm? Sounds like the guy's probably 40, 50 years old. Probably in good health. I mean, the guy's talking about getting some shoulder surgery and then hitting the gym. This isn't a guy that was sitting around in a wheelchair or something like that. Or what my father's father-in-law's going through with dementia. Guys, that happens to people. People have strokes. Young people occasionally have strokes, and they end up like this. Or they have injuries, traumatic brain injuries, and they end up this way. And it's not just our soldiers over in... Afghanistan and Iraq, etc., that have these injuries from things like, you know, bombs and mortars. This happens to people in car wrecks. We're a society that travels around in speeds in excess of what our body can handle in mobile metal coffins we call cars. Spent a lot of time dying in those cars. But occasionally it speeds up. I just had that reality check recently when we had our wreck. There was no way to avoid the wreck. Guy that hit me had no insurance. Fortunately, we had an extra vehicle. I mean, without some level of basic financial preparedness, that wreck, even though we did nothing wrong, would have totally screwed up our lives. Even with insurance, it would have screwed up our lives. It was inconvenient under the best of circumstances. And no one was really hurt. You don't know when your time is up. And I'll tell you what, the good news about that is life would be daggone boring if we did. We'd either be panicked because we're too close to the end, or we'd be lackadaisical because we have too many years left. If I told you right now you're going to live to 99 and be in good health and you're 22 years old, you'd probably get really lazy really fast. So let me try to turn that around for you today and understand why the time is now to start living your life under your own terms with a plan. Imagine in your home is a giant, huge barrel full of marbles. 
This, this barrel is a metaphor, but everything I'm about to say about it is real, and it happens whether you pay attention to it or not. That barrel's full of marbles, and that barrel started out when you were born. And the marbles that came out of that barrel when you were born were really little marbles. You had very little capabilities. You had a lot to learn yet, but you weren't really learning yet. You weren't even developed enough to learn yet. You weren't done cooking, so to speak, when you popped out. That's why babies, we always tell people, your baby's beautiful, and when a baby's born, there's a beauty to it, but not so much. They, In the words of uh, an old comedian, they change colors four or five times in the first hour. Um you have a long way to go when you're, you know, one day old. You really do. You're, you, if somebody set you free, if somebody provided you 100% liberty when you were one day old, you'd end up dead in a couple days. You can't set a baby free in a field. You need to be cared for and looked after. So the marmals are really little. What you can personally learn and gain and do and accomplish is small. You, you start to grow and something happens. The little marble that you get each day gets bigger and bigger and bigger to have a great big marble. Meaning you can do more, you can have a greater impact, you can learn more. When you're five, you're capable of learning more in a day than you were when you were one. And when you're ten, you're capable of learning more. And as we get older, it's true that a child learns at a speed comparable to themselves as an adult that's much faster. We learn much faster. We're forming a lot of synapses. We're getting a lot done when we're kids. But... As we age and our ability to take in a certain amount of information declines, our physical ability and our accumulated knowledge turns into greater leverage as to what we can do. There's two sides to this. There's learning and doing. There's learning and doing and impacting. That's what happens with these marbles. They get bigger as we get older. And if we just progress naturally like everybody else does, they get to a certain point where they never get any larger. They're as big as they're ever going to be. And at some point, we hit a plateau. And we begin to decline as we get older and our health begins to fade and our minds begin to fade. And we still have a marble every day, but they begin to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink until they're tiny in our final years as to what we can do. Well, I have good news for you. I actually have really good news for you in all of this, if it sounds depressing. If you could actually look in the barrel at the size of those marbles, the more you do with each one, and think of it like this, like each one's like a little bank, a little energy reserve. It says how much time you have today, how much health you have today, how much vigor you have today. What is the maximum amount you're capable of in this one day that's what that marble represents and you trade pieces of it like at the molecular level for everything you do you're drawing from that bank and at the end of the day whatever's left is thrown away it's discarded you sleep you wake up the next day and you pick up another marble okay the more you do with each one the bigger the future marbles get, the more you can accomplish. Because you don't necessarily have to do as much. You get to a point where if you've done enough to help others, if you've done enough to make people's lives better, if you've done enough to put certain things in place, when you do a little bit the next day, it does more than most people could do with a lot. If you keep doing a lot, it gets even better. It gets even better. It gets even better. That's what these things are like. That each marble represents what you can do today. 
And if you use 1% of it, the 99% goes away at the end of the day. It vanishes. It's thrown into the trash heap of time, never to be recovered, never to be seen again. Tomorrow you get another one. And tomorrow you get another one. And the next day you get another one. And if you're 40 years old today, if you're 40 years old today, and every marble that was ever taken out of that barrel was in a trail behind you, and you could look back at a single line of marbles, you'd look back over 14,600 marbles that are gone. And at times trash heap, never to return. And when you turn and look the other way, you have no idea how long that line's going to run. It could run another 40 years till you're 80. Another 14,600 marbles. You might have it till you're 80. It could run another 30 or 40 or 50 days. That's the reality. And no matter how much we might feel that we have squandered what's behind us, we still have what's with us today and what's in front of us tomorrow. The, the, the more you've wasted the more you should be just working as hard as you can to do whatever you can with what you have left. And the more you have done, the more you have pride in how you've spent what you've spent so far, the more you should be working and the harder you should be working to do even more because now you have responsibility. If you've done a great job at 40 or 50 and you have a lot of capability to keep giving, give more. You've built up huge, huge reserves in each day's marble. That marble now can do so much. You have an obligation to use it to do the best for yourself, your family, and anybody else that you choose to help in the way you choose to help them. And that's the only way that if someday you just have a heart attack in your 50s and you realize in that last minute it's over, or you live to be an old man and die with your grandkids on your knee at 99. Or you spend your last days in a place like my father-in-law. It's the only way you're going to have peace with it. It's the only way you're going to be able to say, I did everything I could while I was here. And let me tell you something. When people are dying, once they come to grips with the fact that it's happening, and it can happen in seconds, or it can happen in months, or it can happen in years, a terminal cancer diagnosis that you know you're not going to beat. It can be bleeding out from an injury and having a couple minutes to think about it and knowing it's not going to happen, you're not going to make it. And it can be in a split second of just knowing. As soon as you accept it, and anybody who's ever had some sort of an event where you thought you were going to die and didn't can tell you this. Immediately once you accept it, the only thing you can think of is others. How will they deal with this? Will they be okay? Well, how you live your life today answers that question for you. What you give, what you do, how hard you work, how much you, you do for others, that makes you able to say, they'll be okay. Dying something we're all going to do. We're all going to die. We are all afflicted with a terminal illness called life. And what happens afterward? That's debatable. People have different faiths and beliefs and spiritualities. But in the end, the human component of it, and the way we think of it, is done. It's over. 
And there's going to come a time that we all face that reality. And when we do, we should be able to look back at our lives and think to ourselves, my life was well lived. I mattered. And instead of a listener feedback show, that's all you get from me today. Because I want you to think hard about everything that I've told you today. I want you to think about what you're missing out on. What you could be doing with your life if you just chose to. And not everybody can have everything they want in a day. It doesn't work that way. I don't teach that. You know that. You know that's not what TSP is about. It's not about magic law of attraction or something like that. It's about a knowledge that what we do matters. And we can create the lives for ourselves that we want. And no matter how many things are in your way, there's something we can all be doing now to get more of what we want, to have more of what we want, to do more of what we want, to be more of what we want, and to help others do the same. Let's take the rest of today and go make that happen. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Open you take that jump, you don't feel the fall. Open the water rises, you build a wall. Open the crowd screams out, you're screaming your name. Hope if everybody runs, you choose to stay. Hope that you fall in love and it hurts so bad. I lived